how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 418, where I sat down with Joe Hart, the CEO of Dale Carnegie Training and the co-author of the new Dale Carnegie book, Take Command. Take Command offers powerful tools and time-tested methods to help you live an intentional life by transforming how you approach your thoughts, emotions, relationships, and future. In this interview, Joe talks about Dale Carnegie being one of his first clients, delivering Carnegie's principles to a younger audience, the importance of pursuing a stoic mindset, how obstacles can make you anti-fragile, the problem thinking too logically, and how to reframe your mind for success. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also go get my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on this podcast for free. That's over at brockswinson.com. So, uh, you know, Brock, it, it goes back to my dad when I was a kid was always talking about um, life is about personal growth. And, and Dale Carnegie was someone he highlighted. Even as a teenager, it was something he would say, you know, and he gave me the How to Win Friends book. Um, but it wasn't until I took, I was a young lawyer and I took a Dale Carnegie course and I, I just, I wanted to get better. I wanted to advance in my career. So I took this course and it was, uh, it was really pretty unbelievable. Um, part of what they did in that first session was to challenge us, say, what's your vision for yourself? Um, and that really got me thinking about how I was a good lawyer, but not necessarily a happy one. And it ultimately led me to leave the practice of law. But the other thing that it did, that that course did was, it really made me much more attuned to my human relations skills. Is uh, a as a young lawyer, um, you know, you, you can be a little bit uh, I don't know how you'd say arrogant, uh, a little prickly, and certainly I was. But um, I, I found myself really becoming much more um, effective at listening to people and appreciating people and being a better person. And so, yeah, I ultimately left the practice of law. I went into business. I started an e-learning company in 2000. Um, Dale Carnegie became my first client. I went to Dale Carnegie. I said, I think we have a chance to help people apply your principles through mm -hmm. online learning programs. And I worked with them for a number of years as a client. And then um, we built and sold that business. And ultimately, I became the president of another company. And in 2015, uh, I was invited to be part of the CEO search process for the new CEO of Dale Carnegie. And, um, you know, 2023, here I am. I, I This organization has meant an enormous amount to me. It's had a huge impact on me. I've, my wife has taken our, our Dale Carnegie course. I've got six children, uh, all under 24, who've taken our program. So uh, it's been a gift, uh, and it's really had a huge impact on me as a professional and as a person. What were some of the things you were doing with with the e-learning? So were you just kind of taking text information, going to video? Uh, what were some of the things you were doing that really had a greater benefit there? Yeah, it's interesting because when you think about e-learning in the year 2000, in probably the number one comment I used to get was, you know, it was either I don't have internet or I don't have high bandwidth, right? So, so the type of stuff that we were developing at that time was not highly multimedia. What it was is it was, but it's it's funny, Brock, because today it's what's old is new again. People talk about micro learning, chunk learning, bite-sized learning. That's what we were doing in 2000, 2001, that, that time frame of taking 
Dale Carnegie's uh, principles. You took a, say, a 12-week Dale Carnegie course or an eight-week, whatever it was, and um, you would apply those principles over time. So a module might have had, you know, there was a, a principle and content and action steps and a, a way for you to evaluate yourself and, you know, different kinds of things like that. So it wasn't uh, highly multimedia, but it was pretty, it was pretty, you know, I don't want to say state of the art, but it was, it was pretty good at the time. It sounds like you came along maybe in the transition phase, maybe a little bit later. A lot of entrepreneurs have built a brand for themselves, kind of have trouble like transitioning. I think of Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt recently. I used to work at ClickFunnels, so I know Russell Brunson's going through this. Why is this a Dale Carnegie book as opposed to a Joe and Michael book? Tell me a little bit about the ideas behind that. So first of all, so Michael is um, has been a friend of mine. He's on our Dale Carnegie board. He is Dale Carnegie's grandson. And both Michael and I were talking during the pandemic about just how do we get these principles out to the world, and especially to a younger audience. Um, many times people who are of a certain age and up know Dale Carnegie and a certain age and, and below don't. So both of us feel a very significant debt in terms of how positively Dale Carnegie's impacted us. So we decided we wanted to write this built on Dale Carnegie principles. Every chapter has a Dale Carnegie quote, Dale Carnegie's ideas, but it's it's got really compelling stories, modern stories, people all over the world. So it's 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 very current. It talks about things that are important to people today. But um, you know, I my role as the CEO of Dale Carnegie is really to be the ambassador for for Dale Carnegie and for uh these these just amazing ideas. Uh, I, I have the the privilege of sitting, not literally, but figuratively in the seat. I mean, there have been only a handful of, of CEOs of this company since Dale Carnegie himself. So um, for me, it's, it's really about um, Dale Carnegie and trying to help people unlock the greatness that they have using these uh, principles and methods um, than it is about myself or, or Michael. Before we get into, into the new book, which I want to dive into in just a second, tell me kind of what else you guys are doing. What else is the Dale Carnegie organization doing to better educate people? Any products or services, those type of things? Yeah, thank you for asking, Brock. Um, so one thing people may not know, because people sometimes will say, hey, I've heard of How to Win Friends, but I didn't know there was a Dale Carnegie company. We, we actually were celebrating 111, 111 years in business this year. We have 200 operations in 86 countries. So it's a global organization. Uh, we're a franchise organization. People run different territories. And, you know, the the, the number one uh, reason I think people come to us, it's around, it's if it's a company, they're often, it's how do we have a higher performing team? How do we have a culture? How do we, you know, get people working together more effectively, dealing with issues of, of, of confidence and interpersonal skills and presentations. A lot of what we do is getting people comfortable and effective at communicating. But um, so individuals will often come to us. It's like, hey, I'm, how do I get to that next level of my career? How do I, or I'm an entrepreneur and I, I really need to have those skills of being able to influence and interact with people more effectively. So, you know, people come to us for different reasons, but the Dale Carnegie course is the one that our founder started. That's still, if you Google uh, Warren Buffett and Dale Carnegie, he'll talk about how when he took the Dale Carnegie course, it just it changed his entire life and career. Um, mm -hmm. That's what you'll often hear about. But um, leadership programs, high impact presentation programs, if you want to be a powerful presenter for a small group or a large group, overcome the fear of public speaking, um, sales programs those kinds of things. And, and again, these are available online and in person. They're available in 32 languages. 
So um, it's we work with large companies, small companies. It's uh, it's uh, quite a range. So some of the things you're talking about, you started doing some e-learning. What are some of the problems you guys have with well, we want to make evergreen principle-based content, but also some current content. Do you have that problem or is it mostly just evergreen? How do you think about those two things? I'm thinking maybe like if you have to talk about a piece of software or something like that. No, it's a it's a great question. And people will often ask this. It's like, well, gosh, these things, some of these principles are a hundred years old. What relevance do those have today? And the answer I'd have is I almost kind of flip this and say, well, um, why would this book say how to win friends and influence people be a bestseller for 87 consecutive years? And, and, and the reason is because those principles are timeless. You know, you and I are living in 2023, but the people who lived a hundred years ago were still humans who had a craving to be appreciated or respected or valued or listened to. And so all of the things that he talked about are still every bit as relevant today as before. So what we do to keep our, our content fresh, if you will, a lot of it is contextual, you know, whether it is, so if you're in a Dale Carnegie course, um, the context of how you apply these principles is going to be unique to you. You might be, um, say, an IT person in an organization, you're, you're bumping heads with people, how do you get to that next level? So you're going to take the different principles that we're teaching and the, the approaches, and you're going to apply that in your um, in in your life, or maybe it's somebody else. Sometimes I, I remember one time I was at Middle Tennessee State University. Um, all business students at Middle Tennessee State University take a Dale Carnegie course, mm -hmm. and you know, someone there was a, a, a young man who stood up and he was giving a talk about a principle that he applied, and he was saying, you know, um, the greatest impact that this has had on me is not on my business career. It's It has helped my business career, but it's on my personal career. This this is saving my marriage. And he gave a story about how he and his wife and his daughter went to the zoo. And you know, rather than go down this path of having an argument with his wife, which he otherwise would have, he applied this principle and, you know, and got a different result. So, so um, it, it that's part of what makes our program so dynamic is it really is based upon the person and the situation. And then it's our trainers who are bringing in, you know, the context of uh, business context, um, that type of thing in the programs. So tell me about this new book. You said you partnered um, with Michael on it. Where did the initial idea come from? How did it kind of get going? You know, it came about during COVID. And I'll, I'll tell you that the story I tell in chapter one is, you know, even though I had really um, studied Dale Carnegie's principles and tried to live principles and how to stop worrying and start living is another book that Dale Carnegie wrote. How do you deal with stress and worry and anxiety and all these different things? And I knew all these things, but in the middle of COVID in March of 2020, when I, I looked around the world and I watched, I was watching all of our businesses locked down And Brock at that time, our business was 95% in-person face-to-face, right? So if you have a lockdown, there's no training happening. And as the CEO of a business, uh, where there's no business happening, that could be kind of stressful. So I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, night after night, and just just really just thinking about all the worst. And and I picked up how to stop worrying and start living. And I kind of was flipping through the pages, and I came across this page where someone had asked Dale Carnegie, you know, what's the most valuable thing you ever learned? And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, you're asking you know, a sage, you know, what's the most valuable thing you ever learned? And he said, it's the importance of what we think. If I know what you think, I know who you are. And he quoted Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, as saying, you know, our lives are what our thoughts make. And so I, I in that moment, at three o'clock in the morning, in my 
bedroom closet where I just kind of <laughs> was sitting there reading this book, uh, you know, it, it occurred to me that I was looking at the pandemic in 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 the wrong way. I was, instead of thinking about what's the worst that can happen, I should have been thinking to myself, okay, what are the facts? What can I control? What can I influence? And, you know, part of what I took away from that was, and again, we've got amazing franchisees and, and Dale Carnegie team members all over the world. We transformed our business. We've come out of the pandemic stronger, more agile, more competitive, uh, better than we, than we were before. But that was because of a mindset shift. So, you know, as I was going through some of that and I was talking to Michael, we both realized, you know, people who were, say, our age and you get some wisdom and some years of experience just because you've been around, you know, you're able to, to, to learn things and to pivot. But many times young people haven't been exposed to these kinds of ideas. So we said, what if we write a book, a Dale Carnegie book that's designed for 22 to 45 year old people? I mean, hopefully it'd be beneficial to anybody. Um, that has stories of, of diverse stories from people all over the world who are successful applying these principles so that they can take this book. And in the book, Brock, is it's take command, right? It's take command of your thoughts and your emotions and your relationships and your life and your future so you can live the life that you want. So, you know, that was really the goal is how do we help people live, you know, more intentional lives, lives that are more fulfilling, more successful from their standpoints, um, to have richer relationships. And frankly, that whole first part of, you know, how do you deal with that stress and worry and anxiety, the negative thoughts, the 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 insecurity, the lack of confidence? How do you help someone, you know, be courageous? How do you help them develop resilience so that they can overcome adversity? That's That's really what we set out to do. Tell me a little more about writing to that age group. I'm assuming you did more than, you know, uh, cater to a reading level. How exactly did you kind of start to talk to 20 year olds that are out of high school and college around that age? Yeah, it's interesting because neither Michael nor I are in the target demographic. Um, so we realized that um, we really needed to, to to lean on people who were. So we identified a group of we had about 12, 12, 15 people who were in that age group from all over the world who served as uh, advisors and ambassadors for the book. Right. So we would we would work with them at, at really every stage of development. Here's the outline. Here's how we're framing the book. What do you think? Does this speak to you? What are your concerns? What are the issues? What are the topics? You know, we ran um, stories by them. We interviewed them. We got their stories and included in the book. Um, there are dozens and dozens. So much of the book is about stories. But they were a sounding board um, and they really made the book a better book. Um, it's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, I have found, Brock, that um, I might have an idea about something, but the idea is always made better by the input of other people. Mm -hmm. And and so by having this group of advisors that helped us reframe our principles, our, I mean, so the book is a is a is a better book because we really worked with that uh, that demographic of people who helped us see and understand things from their point of view. There's like a proverb, I think, that's um, faster alone, further further together. Kind of reminds me of what you were just talking about. I picture a lot of writers alone in the room trying to get through a book, trying to write their first thing. What are some logistics of that process? Did you and Michael partner up? Come Like we have these quotes. We want to do possibly these chapters. I imagine you start big and go small. How do you start to even frame the questions? 
Yeah. So the the in some sense easy part, if you will, was the work on the outline. So we we really we spent six months just developing the framework of what we wanted to communicate, breaking the book into three parts. You know, taking command of our thoughts and emotions first, then our relationships, and then our future. You know, you can't lead anyone else until you've led yourself. And and once you have you know developed that inner strength and you've got stronger relationships, what's the future you want? So. We spent months just, it was Michael and, and me working on it. We went to Simon & Schuster, who's been a partner of Dale Carnegie's for a long time. They published our How to Win Friends and Influence People and How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. So we worked out an arrangement for them to publish this book. And um, they also kind of helped refine it. So the outlining stage was the kind of that first stage. It was primarily Michael and me. Um, we did have a collaborator. We brought another person involved who helped us. Um, with writing and with interviews and so forth. So there was kind of this, you know, Michael's role. Michael interviewed about 100 people who were 30, Forbes 30 under 30 successful people. So he mm -hmm. did all those interviews. I had interviews from my podcast. We had a person who's got a writing background distilling all those things and helping us do some of the initial composition. Mm -hmm. And then um, I frankly, uh, there's some things I'm good at, some things I'm not good at. I'm a pretty good writer. So, uh, you know, I really uh, did a lot of the heavy editing at the end, uh, particularly with um, with our collaborator, with Michael. So each of us had different roles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and frankly, without any of us, we, we, we wouldn't have been able to get the project done. And then I also would, would say Simon and Schuster did a really good job on the, on the editorial, really challenging us and tightening things up and that type of thing. So it was it was really it was very much a collaborative uh, process in putting this all together versus kind of like the, you know, you might think of someone in a dark room with a single light over the desk, just writing, you know? Yeah. Was it always broken up in, in three parts like that? I feel like that's kind of a, a successful sign. I think of, you mentioned the stoicism, I think around holiday books and Robert Greene books, it seems like there's kind of a, a pretty good formula to start with. Um, anything like that that you've learned reading a ton and, and working with these different books? Yeah. And I, I love Ryan holiday and I love a lot of the books you're talking about. Um, I, I think the, the, with the pandemic, kind of as a an impetus and, and really are thinking about just all the struggles that people had. The, we always concluded that that first part had to be, I mean, it, it would, it had to be around taking command of yourself mm -hmm. um, because so much you could have two people in the exact same situation. We're dealing with the same facts and one person is thriving and successful and the other person's miserable. So that whole part is how do we help take people where they are and help them condition their minds for success so that they have these mindsets for growth, right? Mm -hmm. So so that framework never changed. And then relationships and then the future. And each of those corresponded to a different body of content. So Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Influence People influenced the first part. Mm -hmm. How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is the book, the Bible on how to interact with people, influenced the second part. And then our Dale Carnegie program, where we talk about vision and values and purpose and all those types of things, influenced the third part. Mm -hmm. um, we drew very heavily on uh, many writers and studies. We brought a lot of outside, um, you know, uh, Harvard's happiness study, Carol Dweck, um, you know, a lot of just different people who've written about mindset and so forth. So um, there's a lot that we kind of poured into this really to give people a, a modern take on, on those three topics. I imagine from what I read about mindset, a lot of those things are simpler than you think, maybe just harder to apply. Anything from that inner strength section that listeners could maybe learn and apply in a few minutes or try to start taking action today? 
Yeah, I, I think the very first thing is, I would challenge anyone listening to this right now, do you think about what you think? You know, you think about, I mean, a lot of times we see the result of our thoughts. We might see, or we might be anxious or upset or angry, or, you know, I might get an email and I look at the email and, and automatically I'm, I'm drawing assumptions, making assumptions about the person who sent the email. They're trying to hurt me or whatever it is, you know? So the first thing is, you know, start to pay attention to what your thoughts are and challenge your thoughts, challenge them actively. You know, when you start to feel like, gosh, I, I couldn't do that. Capture that. Wait a second. I just said to myself, I couldn't do that. Why do I think I can't do that? And what if I flip that? What if I said to myself, I can do that? Or in what ways can I do that? Or how do I do that? So the first thing is, you know, actively right now, start to pay attention to your thoughts and then learn to reframe your thoughts and commit to conditioning your thoughts over a period of time. We have a section about conditioning your mind for success. So, um, you know, this is something people can do, but it's a process. It's not, you know, you can go into the gym and, and do curls for one day. And that's kind of like saying, all right, I'm going to reframe my thoughts. You know, for, I'm going to work on this, this part for one day. But, you know, when you commit to a routine and we talk about, there's another area I challenge your, your, your listeners to, uh, Brock, is do you have a routine? What's your routine? What is the space that you create for yourself every day to think about how I'm going to improve and get better? Am I living the life I want to live? What's working? What's not working? For me, I have a morning routine, you know, and we talk about historical figures and current people who have got different routines. So, so you know, pay attention to your thoughts, reframe your thoughts, you know, uh, condition your mind for success, develop routines. Those are those are some of the ideas just in the first couple chapters. So whether it's your book or your podcast, I've imagined you've done a lot of interviews. You've gotten pretty good at some interviews. Are there certain things you ask most people or is it more about kind of going down the rabbit hole of the conversation? And if there are things you repeat, I'm curious what some of those might be. Yeah, it, well, uh, thank you. For, I, I hope I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job sometimes. And I'm not so sure. You know, you you know better than I uh, or as well as I certainly that, um you know, sometimes doing these interviews are hard, you know, and so I, I try not to be scripted when I do these. I am looking at each person and just trying to think about what I really want to learn from this person based on what I know about them. Our podcast focuses on uh, leadership. And so I will often ask people about things related to um, leadership. How do they define leadership? Um, you know, what are some things that they have learned? And we look at insights you know, um, and, and, and challenges, because a lot of times people look at successful people as, oh, you're a CEO, you're, you know, at, but yeah, but there have been a lot of setbacks and ups and downs and bumps in, in the road. So let's talk about what those are. How did you overcome those? So we're dealing with a lot of those kinds of things as more standard questions. So we might say, Brock, you know, um, if, you know, given everything that you've experienced, you know, what would you tell yourself if you could go back and talk to yourself earlier in your career? You know, um, what would you do differently? Was there a defining moment for you in your life where that, that really kind of put you on the path that you're on right now? So those are some of the things I like to ask everybody, but I, I sure hope that um, each interview is, is, is unique because each person's unique. I like that. One thing that might be similar I do is ask if you had any false beliefs, like things early in your career that you were dead set sure about that kind of changed later on that you a lot of writers have something they're they're positive about that kind of changes over time. Knowing all these things that you know, um, how do you start to implement them in your own relationships? Like if you're maybe it's a friend or family member or someone you work with that's 
making the same mistake. Um, how do you kind of start to have that conversation or do you recommend a book or how, how do you kind of start to pass along that knowledge in a meaningful manner? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a few different ways that I would handle it. You know, I, I have found that, um, you know, th there, there's a right way and a wrong way. So, right. The wrong way is, uh, Hey Brock, let me tell you what you got to do differently. <laughs> That's the wrong way. You know, but um, people will often ask, well, what about like a, a boss or somebody? How do I approach a boss? And, you know, number one is you could have a conversation about something and you might say, um, you know, but, but we, we have to respect kind of that person's autonomy and who they are. And, and you know, everyone, we, you know, Dale Carnegie's first principles, don't criticize, condemn and complain. I know we know that if we criticize someone out of the box, they're going to get defensive. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he also talks about you know, try to see things from the other person's point of view and to talk in terms of their interests. So if I know what's important to you, I can I can start there. And I might say, you know, Brock, I know one thing that's really important to you is our relationship. You know, you and I have known each other for a long time. Um, I, I know you care. And and, and this, this is all with, you may not even realize that you're doing something, you know, that might be bothering me. So, so and you, you'd you say, yeah, I, I agree. So Brock, you know, if, if there was something that was potentially uh, impacting our relationship, would you want me to bring that up? Yeah, please. Are you sure? Because I, I want to share something with you. I think that can help us. And then you, you know, then you go in and you say it. And you say it in a delicate way. Now, other people, because we know things are are very polarizing, and 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 some people may have blind spots. We've all got blind spots in different ways. Yeah, it could be that you know I might say to somebody if they like to read, you know, you know what I've got something that uh, might be of interest to you. You know, and again, I'm going to frame it in terms of why it's important for them to read it. I might give them a book or point them in a if there's a video or something like that to look at. But um, again, you know, what I, one thing I've learned, and I don't think I understood this at all when I was younger, because I, I think I thought everything was logical. And all you had to do is to say something to someone logically, they would understand. And, and, and clearly that's not the case. So one thing that I have learned is, um, is about influence and, and persuasion and, and in a positive way. I mean, just in terms of trying to help people see you know, what my point of view might be, it's, I have to start by understanding what their point of view is, you know, and if I can do that, then I can communicate to them in a way um, that might lead to a more constructive result um, versus just my going and arguing with people. I used to be horrible at, at that, you know, just, just ready for a fight, you know, and, and, and defensive and it, it never really got me anywhere, but that's uh, one area that Dale Carnegie certainly helped me. You definitely can't win like bringing logic to an emotional conversation. It's it's kind of it's hard to it takes took me a long time to get to realize that as well. Um, anything that's during all your research, all these interviews with young people, it's so interesting. You guys went that route with it. Anything that kind of surprised you about uh, what something that came from the book or ended up in the book? Yeah, one thing that impressed me, you know, especially talking to so many young people, is just uh, you know the young people of today really are very passionate around values and and thing and vision and that type of thing. Um, so, you know, we have people and stories of people in this book that are, are just so inspiring. I, I think about, you know, this uh, Daniela Fernandez is a young woman who at 19 was just so just troubled sick about the oceans and the, the plastics in the oceans, the pollution in the oceans. She started something called the Sustainable Ocean Alliance, which today is the largest. I mean, she's in her 20s and it's the largest you know, sustainable ocean alliance of its kind in the world. It's in a hundred countries, you know. So um, what really impressed me, that was one story, but there are just dozens of stories of people, you know, who 
overcame challenges or they found a passion and and they they just and they got behind it and and it's it's just really it was inspiring to me. I go back and I, I look at some of these stories right now. There's a story about a, a man named Ryan Shen. Now Ryan was someone who was very athletic when he was young. He's 19. Also, you know, he's you know maybe he was younger than 19. Maybe he was a little younger than that. But he was on a going snowboarding and he he just took this massive jump. He broke his back. He was paralyzed. And um, and at first his thoughts were all about my life is over and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And in in his story, which we take people through, he he his whole mind shift changed. He ultimately not only got physically active, he's still uh, paralyzed, but he started his own business, a business called Neuro, which is a fast growing uh, company that makes uh, gum and mints that have uh, its uh, caffeine and whatnot to help people be able to think more clearly and so forth. So, you know, the the, the point is. I look at these people, these young people uh, in particular, who are just absolutely inspiring. It inspires me about, you know, what else is possible. We're almost out of time. Uh, just one more question for those writers out there, for those who have a message they want to share, but they can't quite uh, take the time to write a full length book or get their message out there. Any advice about starting the routine, starting the ritual, get the habits going? Yeah, I, I think sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves, particularly in the writing process. Now, in our case, we were forced to write to a deadline, and that was hard. Um, but the but the part that was not was taking the time around the outline and the framework. The writing of the book was a lot easier because we had a really solid foundation. I don't think if I went back and looked at our outline, I'd say that that, that held pretty true. And frankly, that outline was enough for us to go to a publisher. So, um, you know, we happened to go to Simon and Schuster first because, you know, we, we had a relationship and we wanted to give them the first opportunity, but we were prepared to go to other publishers as well. And we think if it wasn't Simon and Schuster, we would have worked with somebody else. And I, I think for an author to be clear about what it is that they're trying to communicate, why they're trying to communicate it, uh, to whom they, they are and so forth. Those are all things that right up front, Simon and Schuster was challenging us on. Who's the audience? Why this book? There's there's so many books out there. Why is anyone going to want this book? Why are they going to want? It? So so for the author to be thinking about those things up front, um, that's as valuable as important, I think, ultimately, as the writing itself. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. If it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.